Happy Monday, guys, and welcome to To Make a Short Story Long, the podcast where we talk about how to practically live out your Christian faith. Today, I'm really excited because I have a special guest, and yeah, it's my friend Justin. How do you pronounce your last name? It's Talkish? Talkish. It is Talkish. Talkish, just how it's spelled. Oh, that's hilarious. (laughs) Um, And we are going to be talking about mental health, um, which is obviously a big topic, especially in this season. Um, so Justin, I wanted to ask you kind of to just introduce yourself a little bit and, uh, tell us about yourself, tell us about how you, um, got into mental health counseling, all of that. Yeah. Um, so I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Mm -hmm. uh, Pennsylvania. I was born in Erie, PA, uh, which is about two hours north. That's where the lake is. Where Lake Erie is. Yes. (laughs) They call uh, Erie the mistake by the lake. Okay. Uh, <laughs> That's that, yeah. not a very good... <laughs> I, well, it, although it's my like birthplace, I don't have a lot of mm-hmm. really good feelings about it. So mm-hmm. any, anytime someone can insult Erie, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so yeah, I grew, up in, I grew up in Pittsburgh. I'm okay. uh, oldest of five, which I think is... I always say that in in terms of like how I introduce myself because mm-hmm. because it is a very pivotal it is a very uh, consequential yeah. part of my story yeah. of being the oldest of five yeah um, mainly because I was like uh, I had to become like a parent mm-hmm. for them at such a young age mm-hmm. uh, my my father is uh, Ukrainian. I didn't know this. Yeah, that's where my last okay. name Talkish was spelt and pronounced differently in yeah. Ukraine. But uh-huh. when they came over, mm-hmm. the story is it was changed mm-hmm. uh, whenever they they immigrated. My great grandfather mm-hmm. um, to Talkish, probably how the person who was writing it down heard it mm-hmm. and wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother is African American mm-hmm. from the South. Uh, Memphis, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and uh, and so yeah, I, I mentioned uh, me being the oldest. My my mom and dad uh, split up whenever I was about eleven mm-hmm. years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when they officially got divorced. But even before that, my dad was was gone. He was pretty abusive when he was there, um, and so the the impression left to me is. Mm-hmm. My mother, other people claim that they never overtly told me, you're the man of the house now. Mm, yeah. Uh, but that was something I had assumed. I, yeah. I almost felt like I heard it verbally from mm, somebody. Yeah. Your, your dad's gone, so you have to be the man of the house now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we grew up pretty poor. Um, grew up in the projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's one of the things I miss about being over there whenever I'm over here on mm-hmm. the West Coast is typically whenever I go to any new city, mm-hmm. first Portland, I lived in Portland for a while, uh, or in Seattle, mm-hmm. I try to find the projects. Okay. I try to find the hood. Mm-hmm. I try to get there because that's super familiar for me. Mm-hmm. And it was I was a little disappointed that they don't have projects out here, like yeah. housing projects with high rises. and. Yeah, they really don't. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, 
and so like I grew up in the inner city um <clears throat> again like parentified at this really young age and um got into a lot of trouble I think mm-hmm. as a young kid whenever you feel you're grown and you feel yeah. like you there's not a lot of people who can tell you anything I was yeah. one of those kids who um I didn't feel like adults had the right to mm-hmm. speak to me and that that was in addition to being parentified at such a young age I also experienced a lot of trauma yeah um and stuff like that uh growing up the way I did mm-hmm. uh and then um right around uh right around 18 mm-hmm. um I kind of took a look at my life mm-hmm. and um I felt like I had done my best to raise my younger siblings and I'm not that much older than them. Right. I'm only I'm only nine months older than my not nine months. I was born in May of seventy eight mm-hmm. and my brother is born in July of seventy nine. Mm-hmm. And we're all stair step after that. There's mm-hmm. we're all five of us. Yeah. And so I'm not that much older than any of them, but I felt like I had raised them and then by the time I turned eighteen I looked I hadn't graduated from high school. Yeah. Um, I had spent a lot of time in juvie, mm-hmm. um, and, and I didn't have a lot of direction for my yeah. life. And so my aunt, my mother's older sister took me in, mm-hmm. um, she had nine children mm-hmm. who were my age or older. Mm-hmm. And so in this new place with my aunt, I was, uh. I was allowed to be a kid mm-hmm. for the first time. Like, I wasn't in charge of anything. Yeah. No one had to, you know, I, did, I wasn't, like, responsible for anything. Yeah. And so, in that atmosphere, I was able to kind of thrive and find my direction. Yeah. Um, I th- wanted to be a pastor okay. from the early, the earliest days that I can remember. My father mm-hmm. um, was an elder in our church. Okay. Um, we grew up in a kind of a fundamentalist cult type of church. Okay. Um, we were called apostolic faith. Yes, I, I know people that grew up. Yeah. yeah. Um, my wife actually grew up in apostolic faith, but it's mm-hmm. like, it was culty in its own way, but not culty in the way that we did mm-hmm. cult, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was always just mesmerized by the pastors who would speak and like... Mm-hmm have the whole crowd at their, you know, have their attention. Right. And and so as a kid, I thought that was really, really special. And so whenever I became 18, I was like, that's, that's kind of what I want to do. Um, um, and my, my, my walk with the Lord, um, up until that point had kind of waxed and waned and stuff like that. But at around 18 is when, I felt like I would like to uh, kind of re- recapture my faith, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of like uh, claim my faith again. Yeah. Um, that was an important thing for me to kind of find my direction. And I, I mm-hmm. at that point, became very actively involved in my church. Okay. Every time the church doors was open... I was there. Were you still? Was it still like the apostolic? No, I, this okay. was this was way past that. Okay. Um, you know, it, it, in in hindsight, it was it was still culty. Sure. But it was just 
a different type mm-hmm. of call, you know. Um, I, I was an intern at a church in Pittsburgh, a mm-hmm. pretty big, well-known church in uh, the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there I discovered, like, I had a gifting for yeah. singing and leading yeah. worship and playing uh-huh. instruments as well. I saw you p- playing the drums earlier. Yeah, I did not know you played the drums. The drums. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I... Uh, I love playing the drums. Yeah. I, I like seeing the drummer in church. Like yeah. the drummer in black churches are yeah. special. The yeah. drummers and the bass players. You watch uh-huh. those guys and like I was just, I just be mesmerized yeah. by watching the drummers. And so yeah. I'm, I don't feel like I'm that great, but I, I can, I can keep tempo. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's all that matters. It's better than me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> so I just became actively involved in my church and um, it was there. I remember we were doing a, a short term mission trip mm-hmm. uh in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and uh we were with this ministry that we were going into like some of the inner cities of, yeah. of Los Angeles mm-hmm. and I remember I was in South Central and there was an eight year old boy who yeah. was crying. Yeah. He was like under a tree mm-hmm. and the pastor who was who was speaking um, in this like community setting yeah. was like giving an altar call or something like that. And this little boy was crying. He was by himself. I literally have no idea why he was yeah. crying. He had, I, I don't even know if he spoke English, but mm-hmm. he had a hard time communicating mm-hmm. uh, what was happening with him. But I asked him, I said, can I give you a hug? Yeah. And he said, yeah. And so I was just holding this little eight year old boy. Mm-hmm. And it's really significant that he was eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's where my story, yeah. um, there's a lot of pain around mm-hmm. eight years old. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was like hugging this kid and it was at that very moment that I was like, I didn't care about the the glam and whatever, the, the, yeah. the, the having a crowd at my disposal yeah. like I had seen other pastors. I, I really wanted to... My my view of ministry changed from that to I just want to like help people. Yeah. I especially want to be able to help this kids like this who yeah. are like who are hurting or struggling for yeah. whatever reason and can't even communicate what's happening yeah. with them. Um and so yeah, and so I, I I I continued on and then there was a guy in my church who um was a well off white guy who mm-hmm. uh he was a biomedical engineer or something <laughs> like that. But he saw me yeah. uh, and he said, hey, like, I see you have this passion. Mm-hmm. I would love to pay for you to go to school. Mm-hmm. And so he, out of his own pocket, paid for me to go to Bible college. Wow. Uh, he also had a ministry. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if I can mention the name of it. but I'm sure you can. Yeah. Uh, yeah he, I mean, you totally can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. His, his ministry... Because it's important. His ministry was called a Dulem. Um, it was in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, and what Steve would do is he would buy up old, rundown, yeah. sometimes trap houses in mm-hmm. the hood. Mm-hmm. And in Pittsburgh, you could buy houses for really cheap. Mm-hmm. So not he not would, like here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he would buy like these four or five bedroom mm-hmm. houses for yeah. like $5,000. Like that cheap. Wow. Yeah. So... He would he would buy up like four yeah. or five houses on one block. Yeah. And his goal was to fill these houses with men 
who were like the story of Adullam mm-hmm. uh, in the Bible where David was running from the persecution of Saul and he escaped with like all these misfits and people who mm-hmm. were kind of on a run from the law and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. so Steve would take in guys who were young like me just trying to find direction yeah. or sometimes guys were coming out of prison. Sometimes mm-hmm. guys were coming out of in certain stages of recovery from addiction and yeah. stuff like that. And so I went to school uh, in Rochester, New York, a mm-hmm. place called Elam Bible Institute mm-hmm. first. That was too much of a culture shock. It was very much in the country. It was also in another state, and I did not want to be there anymore. And yeah. so I uh, transferred to a school in Pittsburgh, a Bible mm-hmm. school in, in Pittsburgh, where uh, I eventually got my degree in Christian ministry. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the idea was I was going to work with Steve after I... Um, after I finished school yeah, and very grateful that Steve paid for my, my education and everything. Mm-hmm. We had a big falling out. Mm. Um, and we have since kind of reconciled, but yeah. at, at some point I felt like I couldn't, I didn't have any agency with yeah. him because yeah. I felt so indebted to him, mm. Yeah, you know, because he had paid for my schooling. Mm-hmm. And so, there were things he would ask me or want me to do that I, that I didn't feel were right or maybe right. I didn't want to do and I didn't feel like I could say no and yeah. all that tension after mm-hmm. a while built up um, and we had this huge falling out. Mm-hmm. It was that incident with Steve combined with other mm-hmm. stuff that I had experienced in the church that chased me away from mm-hmm. uh, ministry for a while Yeah. Um, and I started driving a truck. Okay. <clears throat> It's like such a different yeah. experience. Because that was another dream I wanted to do. I wanted to be a big truck driver. Why? Why? Uh, okay, so one of the one of the home one of the houses I lived in in Pittsburgh. So this plant keeps poking me, and I oh, keep being like, "What?" Oh is yeah, yeah, yeah. My miniature plant. You can yeah. feel free to move it. I'll, or, I'll move it a little bit. Yeah. Oh, I think I'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> I just was like, "What is?" You're right, because I was plant? sitting there today. Yeah. I was talking to a student, and it was poking me in the back. Of my yeah. Head. Uh. And so, um, what was I saying? Why oh, the truck driver. Yeah, yeah. So, like, when we were living in this, one of the last neighborhoods uh, mm-hmm. that I remember living in, we lived right next to this huge garage. Like, mm-hmm. it was our house. We had a little side yard, and there was this huge garage. Mm-hmm. And the guy in there was Fred and his brother. I don't remember Fred's last name, but Fred yeah. had trucks. Mm, yeah. And he was like an owner-operator. He had his mm-hmm. own trucks. And so he would go in there and maintain his trucks and stuff like that. And then occasionally he would give us rides, mm-hmm. you know, in his truck. And my mom liked him. And, oh, okay. Uh, another funny thing about that garage was sometimes we would avoid doing dishes by throwing our pots and pans on top of Fred's garage. My mother... That doesn't surprise me. My mother would be like, where are all my pots and pans? <laughs> And Fred was up there, like, putting tar on his roof or something like that in the summer. And he's, like, tossing all of our pots and pans oh and plates. Oh, my gosh. And my mom was livid. But yeah. uh, So I got into truck driving, um, and it brought me out to the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, while I was in Bible school, my uncle was living out here in Portland. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I would visit him on spring breaks, and I fell mm-hmm. in love with the Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. specifically when we went snowboarding for the first time. I see. 
And that, the, one of the biggest reasons why I moved out to the West Coast yeah. was snowboarding. Mm-hmm. I loved snowboarding. It was, the first time I went snowboarding, we didn't really know what we were doing. Yeah. And we probably all got concussions that day. <laughs> yeah. But at one point, we went up to this really uh, high slope on at whatever we were at, like the the ski resort we were at, mm-hmm. and we were above the clouds. That's amazing. And I was like, this is. I had seen that from plane level, yeah. but I had never seen that in person. Mm-hmm. And and also the fact that the mountains were just like I literally yeah. like my heart dropped when I first saw it. Yeah. It was just like I cannot believe how it looked fake. It was like yeah. this looks so beautiful. Yeah. And so I moved out here um, as I was truck driving, and then I was telling you earlier about how I met my wife. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you want me to retell that story. You can if you want. Uh, So I was. You didn't want to go to church. You went to church. Yeah, I was. I didn't want to go to. I was living with my uncle. My uncle is more like a big brother. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he has a way of convincing me to do things that I don't necessarily want to do. And typically, he doesn't influence me to do bad stuff. That's he good. influences me to better myself. Yeah. And, and pull me up out of, yeah. uh, I think, a lot of times, like, depression mm-hmm. that I experience. Mm-hmm. And so he's always looking out for me. And so he uh, he asked me, he's like, come on, man, let's go to church. And I was like, nah, man, I ain't trying to go. And so I ended up going, and it was I was very unkempt. I had a very wrinkled shirt. <laughs> Um, and shorts there, I'm sure, were equally as wrinkled. Um, I was sitting, we were sitting in the pew, and I wasn't paying attention. I was just very out of it, and my uncle was singing, and to the left of him was, I didn't realize at the time, was my future wife, mm-hmm. Misty, mm-hmm. and uh, Andre had kind of started up a conversation after hearing her sing, and he had mentioned that he was trying to start up a Christian singing group, and invited her to lunch after church. And all of this was happening while I was like half asleep. Wasn't paying attention. Angry. Wanted to get home. And as we're leaving church, Andre's like, oh, we're, we're going to have lunch. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and so uh, we ended up having lunch. And before I knew it, Andre, when we went to the mall after lunch, and then Andre kind of faded off. Mm-hmm. So he was like playing wingman the whole yeah. time. Um and tomorrow is Misty and I's 15th anniversary. Yeah, um, there's not a long story of our dating thing because yeah. it happened pretty quick. Yeah. I proposed to her after six months, and then mm-hmm. six months later we were married. Wow. Um, Misty was able to play wingman to him, mm-hmm. uh, and he got married six months after me to mm-hmm. his wife, Mary, and they we will be married 15 years in March. That's awesome. So... Uh, so yeah, and so uh, I met my wife, and that was one of the biggest changes. One of the things that drew me to her mm-hmm. and drew us to each other was how much similarity we had in our passions and mm-hmm. stuff. And so, um, and so we connected on that, and so we we started to get back into ministry again. Um, we started volunteering at our our, our youth. Uh, a local youth ministry at our church. Um, although I I, ha- I didn't want to, but I felt like maybe in this new atmosphere, yeah. away from Pittsburgh, yeah. away from um, some of the 
stuff I experienced, and I, I can, if you want to know more about that, I can yeah. tell you later. But, yeah. um, and so got involved with my church, and um, at one point we ended up moving to Bend, Oregon. I remember you saying that, yeah. Yeah, we were youth that. pastors mm-hmm. at our church in Bend, Oregon, which mm-hmm. was, it was a very beautiful place. It's beautiful. <laughs> and I... I never got used to the beauty. I never, I was always stunned by how beautiful it was. Mm-hmm. But it was a little weird. This inner city guy mm-hmm. from Pittsburgh is the youth pastor of a all white youth group. Yeah. They loved me and I loved, yeah. I loved them. Yeah. And, um, but my wife, Misty, was mm-hmm. equally part of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, mm-hmm. she, she's a better, she's like the best pastor I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then um, it was it was around that financial. What brought us to Bend was like the the recession and stuff yeah. like that. And so then we moved to Seattle. Yeah. And then um, we found out about a position yeah. with Renew Homes yeah. uh, here in Bellevue, yeah. and my wife and I became house parents. Yeah. And I had been in that uh that youth pastor mindset mm-hmm. my whole time and yeah i i found that my youth pastor mindset was wasn't serving mm-hmm. the girls and the guys in the homes yeah as much as i would have thought yeah uh, most of them didn't have any church background. church background most of them had awful relationships with their parents mm-hmm. which is why they were in the homes in the first place mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them were dealing with really complex trauma mm-hmm. and um, mental health disorders, addiction. Yeah. And like, I'm the youth pastor with the hang out and like make funny jokes right. and you know give you an encouraging scripture right. and and say peace out and do weird games. Yeah. Do Why weird do games. like youth pastors always do weird games? I you know, so I think funny. youth pastors are. Sometimes they try too hard. Mm, I feel like yeah. they're... Are you familiar with that term, try hard? Yep. <laughs> I'm not familiar with... One of my kids... I, I am, but it's it's not very common anymore. Oh, it's not? Yeah, okay. I, don't, I don't think it is. Maybe not. But the first time I heard it was a couple years ago. I was yeah. with a client. He's like, you're being such a try hard right now. Oh, gosh. I was like, thank you. He's like, that's not a compliment. <laughs> it's not a compliment, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sometimes these pastors can be try hard a yeah. little bit. I think in a way, like... I think sometimes in our anxiety, we yeah. do things. But, you know, yeah. fun games, yeah. you know, weird games. But yeah. It, think, it's it's definitely fun at times. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Uh, some, yeah. Of my, some of the youth pastors did some of the weirdest things. I'm like, you are trying too hard, bro. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I really want to tell you a weird game that we had to do in our youth oh, group. Oh, I'd love to hear it. Okay. So we... Uh, wait. Before we forget. Yes. <laughs> or before I forget. Mm-hmm. The Renew program... For those of you guys that don't know, is uh, we both work at Eastside Academy. I think I mentioned that, but I'm not sure. And we have a housing program, mm-hmm. and that's called the Renew Program. So Justin still works at EA. He'll tell you how he like came back to work at EA. Yeah. But um, before I even started, he was working here in the housing program. Mm-hmm. But the game. Okay, so you know that like really gross like cheese that you can like squirt for? What is that called? That you can like squirt from a bottle, like squirt easy cheese, cheese easy, easy, yeah, yeah something yeah, like yeah. that. 
It was like you have. Is that to... really cheese, though? Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's orange substance. It's so gross. It comes up. Yeah, we they like squirted a pile on this like plexiglass type thing, and you, the game was who a competition to see who could. I think you had separate ones, but who could lick it up and eat it up the fastest? And it was. I'm literally getting nauseous. I <laughs> they chose me, and it was so gross. I was like. I'm not gonna do this, <laughs> and then I finally did. It was nasty. I did not win. Did that? Did that? You, so you were a youth when this happened. Yes, I was a youth, a youth. Did that? Did that make you want to come back to youth group? I was. I was so involved you at were that so, point okay. that it was kind of like. I think if I was, I was pretty shy and stuff. But I think that if I hadn't gone for a long time gotcha. before that, I would have 100 percent been like, nope, don't want to do this again. Yeah, I've had some weird game experiences at yeah. churches. Like, I don't even want to come back. Here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I don't think it was necessarily just the game. It's probably not feeling connected yeah. to the group in other ways too. Yeah, uh, but interesting. That yeah. is really it was a gross disgusting. Game. It was a gross game. Anyway, very side tangent. But <laughs> so, uh, can I tell you? About yeah, yeah. Youth? yeah. So there was a there was a church I went to as a young kid it was a baptist church this white Mm -hmm. church uh it was kind of like a savior type of mentality that Mm -hmm. they would come into the hood this white Mm -hmm. church called harvest baptist they would Mm -hmm. come into the hood go into the projects and pick up all the little black kids and bring them to the church okay so one day just like for service to sunday school service okay and they would bribe us at first with money like we would get on the bus and they would pay us and then that became a little bit uh, too much, yeah. so they get start giving us candy. Okay, okay. And that was enough. Sure. Uh, I still remember Chunky. They would give us Chunkies. I love me some Chunkies. <laughs> uh, and so one day, a big thing they wanted to pull us was uh, come to church, and we're going to have the biggest ice cream sundae you mm-hmm. had ever seen in your life. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh. So everybody came. Yeah. And they had this big, long gutter that you get on mm-hmm. your roof that they bought. It was like a new gutter. Okay, I swear I heard this story. Really? Yes. I, I think... know what you're going to say. And I think maybe you told me this like a long time ago. Really? Okay. Yes, because I swear I know exactly what you're going to say. They filled it with ice cream. It was yeah. in the middle of the summer. And the ice cream melts. <laughs> and all of these kids are over this trough. Yeah. Eating the ice cream. Oh, gosh. It is the most disgusting. It's like melted ice cream. People are eating it. And yeah. there's like ice cream dropping back from their mouth into the thing. Ew, there's no. people's hair that got in it. Ew. It was it was a very good concept, but it the execution was horrible. Oh, gosh. And uh, uh I I st- I remember even as a kid, like who would eat things off the ground sure. and do a bunch of weird gross stuff that yeah. boys do i was like this is gross yeah this is really awful yeah uh, yeah that is awful <laughs> oh gosh um okay. yeah so did you want me to go back into yeah um yeah so with renew i i realized that i was like i need more tools in my tool belt mm-hmm. and that's when i started thinking about uh going back to school to become yeah. a therapist yeah uh Something I had never envisioned, something I never thought of, but 
being at this uh, renew and like we're having my 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 supervisor I, I uh, have to include him. His yeah. name is Mike Johnson. Yeah, um, he's now the uh, president of the Yakima Rescue Mission. Okay, yeah. But at the time, um, the Renew Homes was connected with a Seattle Union Gospel Mission, mm-hmm. and Michael worked for uh, UGM, mm-hmm. and he was a. Uh, his wife is a therapist. He was also uh, a therapy student. I don't think he finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, he was big on mental health, attachment, trauma-informed mm-hmm. care, mental mm-hmm. health first aid, and all yeah. these things I'm learning for the first time. And um, that's what uh, got me to go back to school. Yeah. And I went to, uh, uh, after my time at Renew, I okay. came there in 2012. I left in 2014, mm-hmm. and then I went to the Seattle School mm-hmm. um, to become a therapist. Yeah. Uh, prior to working here, back coming back to EA, yeah. I uh, was working for a community mental health uh, agency called Atlantic Street Center yeah. uh, in the Central District. Mm-hmm. I was working primarily with African-American boys. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly enough, they just started signing me nothing but eight and nine-year-old boys. Oh, interesting. Little black boys. Yeah that had very similar stories huh. to mine growing yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then after I was doing that for a while, they moved me to Garfield High School. Yeah. Um, my job, uh, the agency became pretty stressful to work yeah. for, specifically in this racially charged mm-hmm. environment with, uh, you know, George Floyd and yeah. Breonna Taylor yeah. and... Um, it just became increasingly stressful to work there. And yeah. um, I spoke to my friend Trevor, mm-hmm. who was here, and yeah. um, there was a position opened up, and so I was able to get the position. Yeah. And coming back full circle yeah, uh, has so, been really yeah. awesome. Yeah, so, that's awesome. It feels like that was definitely a short story long. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so... I mean, I kind of was telling you before, but, um, I, like, I really wanted this podcast to be about, like, just, like, how, how do we do this? Like, how do we live out our faith in the day-to-day? Like, I think that our faith informs, or should, like, all parts of our lives. Mm -hmm. And I think that mental health is a huge aspect of Mm -hmm. it, and a huge aspect of, like, just being human in general, and... So I guess kind of what I wanted to bring you on and like the things I wanted to ask you, Mm -hmm. um, and we'll get into more later on in this podcast, but how just like taking that huge concept of like mental health and the gospel, I guess, Mm -hmm. like what are, I guess the first question would be like, what are like some truths that we can know from the gospel and then or like some truths to take away and maybe some like misconceptions around mental health in regards to like the christian community at Mm -hmm. large yeah i think one of the biggest things that has stood out to me in regards to how the gospel relates to yeah mental health um one of my classes um it was probably the most profound class i i went to when i was in graduate school to become a therapist yeah. was this uh, 
it was called interpersonal foundations class mm-hmm. and the the professor in the class like harped on this idea of incarnationality okay in the incarnation okay um and what what that has meant to me squirrel um <laughs> I didn't know what it was. I just saw something in my left eye. It was getting my attention. Oh, my god! Was this idea of Christ with us. Okay. Uh, The incarnation is is Christ with us. Yeah. And and that is really the story of what a therapist does. Mm -hmm. He, He or she is hopefully being in this incarnational place with their client where they are a witness. Mm-hmm. They are, uh, like coming from, they are like kind of dropping their privilege, mm-hmm. hopefully, or their bias, mm-hmm. their preconceptions of their client, mm-hmm. um, and just able to be with yeah. their client. Mm-hmm. And that in that incar- incarnational place, mm-hmm is where I do my therapy. Mm-hmm. I just want to be present yeah. with them. Yeah. Um, and so that's how I feel. Um, like, Jesus doesn't yeah. specifically address mental health sure. in yeah. the Bible. Yeah. Right? But his his life, yeah. you know, the life that Jesus lived, uh, addresses a lot of, like, mental health type mm-hmm. of, concepts yeah you know and uh and ideas and like the idea of suffering and stuff like that that whenever we're not taking care Mm -hmm. of our inner man Mm -hmm. you know yeah and i think myths uh you know what i was kind of fighting uphill as far as becoming a therapist my father um he has a lot of opinions about therapists and mm-hmm. psychologists. Mm-hmm. Uh, he used to refer to them as eggheads growing mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Um, my father was a is a Vietnam veteran. Yeah. Um, my father has had significant mental health issues his whole life. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it growing up. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, as a therapist, I understand. Yeah. More. Yeah. Uh, he he gets full disability mm-hmm. from the VA, yeah. and he doesn't have um, any physical any physical ailments. He yeah. has nothing physically wrong with him. Yeah. So I know he is he's getting assistance for his mental health yeah. issues. Yeah. And uh, and so it's a little bit ironic that he has always kind of harped on eggheads and stuff like that, but now he is getting it and I'm glad for it he, right. you know he needs it we all need it yeah uh but I always grew up thinking that you know you're a psychologist you're a therapist you were focusing on your mental health that mm-hmm. somehow that that was anti-gospel sure right that was always it was you were too weak you mm. didn't have enough faith yeah uh you know, you're not trusting God. You're trusting mm-hmm. man over mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, people who prescribe medications mm-hmm. are just trying to um, 
change you in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and specific, you know, in the black community too, there's a lot, there was, at least growing up, there was a lot of negative stigma around mental health. Like mm-hmm. you, if you go, if you want to address anything with your mental health, you go to your pastor. Mm-hmm. You don't go to a therapist. Sure. You know, you go to a yeah. therapist when you're, something's wrong with you. Why are you going, you're sure. crazy. Why are you going to the therapist? Yeah. Uh, and so I think some, you know, I, I, I'm trying to think like where that's, that myth is rooted in, like where, what portion of scripture that they would have this type of mentality about just like people in the church, like where, where I grew up, like where they would have, what scriptural basis would they have to Mm -hmm. say that mental health was? Yeah. I think it, that's an interesting question and thought because, like, for me, for, like, when I, like how I grew up, where I grew up, all of that stuff, there was that stigma to a certain extent um, as well. And mm-hmm. I think it came down to – and I felt this way at times. Mm-hmm. I totally have. I don't know. It's kind of that weird, like, like Christ is enough for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. But then it's like, well – but that doesn't mean that that like we we're not gonna get encouragement from other people. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that we're not gonna need help from other people. Mm-hmm. Like it, I don't know of anybody that would do well just living in a box by themselves. Yeah. Like I think that Christ can a hundred percent be is and enough for us and is yeah. sufficient. Um, but He's like given us. He's, like, blessed us with people around us and, and, and things to, like, help us live out this life. But mm-hmm. I, I do understand, like, sometimes I am, like, I don't know if it's, like, a line question. Like, where's the line of, like, I'm relying too much on, like, I don't know. It's not even that, I don't think. But yeah. I think that's kind of where, for me, um, and from what I've heard, is where it, like, stems from. Like, yeah. am I, am I not kind of what you said like am I not trusting God enough am I not doing those things where we've kind of put them at odds with each other like doing counseling is not trusting God enough even though we don't think about that in other regards like for like with with work with career we don't think like oh if we apply to a job if we go and network we're not trusting God enough I guess sometimes you would think that Mm. maybe in certain scenarios Mm. but um for the most part you're like no, that makes sense. That's yeah. what you would do. But God is still there with you. He's still leading you and yeah. guiding you in that area. Um, yeah. But sometimes I think we tend to overcomplicate it. At least I do. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know for me, and becoming more familiar with my story and over time, yeah, I've always wrestled with depression mm-hmm. and anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's been present my whole life. There's mm-hmm. a strong genetic factor yeah. that runs pretty heavy on both sides of my family. Yeah. Um, the trauma that I experience, yeah. like depression and anxiety, yeah, um, make a lot of make a lot of sense mm-hmm. in my story, mm-hmm. and um, but it was never acknowledged. It was never mm-hmm. spoken. If you did mention that you were depressed. Yeah. It was something that you could pray away. Mm-hmm. It was it was a spirit that needed to be, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 
what's that word? Cast out. Cast out. <laughs> uh, what's the other word? The E word. Oh, exercise. Exercise. <laughs> exorcism. Exorcism. Uh, we weren't Catholic, so I don't think, I think Catholics call it exorcism. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was, us, ours was cast out. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there was never really a lot of conversation as to why the mm. feelings were there. Yeah. Um, I, I I think, as I think back about it now, mm. it was a lot of shame. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's so much shame in yeah. the church, yeah. uh, unfortunately. Mm. And um, I'm hoping that is changing. It feels yeah. like it's changing. Yeah. Uh, but... Historically, there's always been so much shame. There's always been so much things that we don't talk about. Yeah. You know, and um, and 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 things fester in the dark. It's a hundred percent. I mean, 100%. things fester and get gross, yeah. and people get sick, mm-hmm. and um, and so I think with 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 mental health mm-hmm. issues and all of the stuff that uh, people experience, I feel like just because there's been so, there's been so much silence, there's mm-hmm. been so much that's taboo, mm-hmm. you know, that it has allowed, uh, has allowed some of these things to kind of, yeah, go on, um, yeah. you know, and, and it's just festered and yeah. things become worse. Yeah, um, yeah uh, for sure. That I, I mean, I think you, I'm going to say like a really old phrase, but I think you hit the nail on the head. Mm. <laughs> like I I think that if we're not talking about things, if we're not especially as the church, other people are talking about them. You know, like I think that we should and and like if you can't go to the church to talk about everything, really, and like you're going to go somewhere else. Um and I just yeah, I I 100% agree with that. I wanted to get into this because I, I have a feeling it's going to be a, like a little bit of a longer a question or a longer answer. Um, but I wanted to talk about just this season and mental health in this season. Mm-hmm. Like, I I would say I'm, I've never, that I know of, struggled with depression, anxiety, that type of thing. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like my mental health in mm, there was like a season when I was younger it wasn't so great but Mm -hmm. for the last several years more than that has been pretty steady I would say Mm -hmm. pretty pretty good Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that to like be boastful but I'm saying that because (laughs) this season it's been I always tell my friends like I feel like I'm normally at a very steady level and then it's been insane this Mm -hmm. season just like up and down, up and down. I think that's for a variety of reasons, mm-hmm. but I know that literally I think everyone I know is going through the ringer in some way. Mm-hmm. And um, I just want to talk about just this season and then maybe um, how do we like steward our minds well, mm-hmm. our, our mind not um, well, like during this season. Um, where it has a, like a lot of the things that people are struggling with can, they might last for a very long time, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's uh, like situational, circumstantial, it could be something that lasts for a long time. 
Um, so that, and then like any other, I hate calling it tips because yeah. that seems like a quick fix, but just any other things like that. It's interesting you said minds because that's actually, I think that like we have, one of the things I learned in, in school and mm-hmm. I'm not, this isn't like, uh, I'm not being super scientific right now, but <laughs> we have, we have two minds. Okay. Um, what does that mean? <laughs> so we have the mind in our our head, right? Sure. The prefrontal cortex mm-hmm. and the hippocampus and the mm-hmm. amygdala, all that stuff that mm-hmm. constitutes your mind. Yeah. There's also uh, what they refer to as like the second brain okay. that is in your stomach. Oh, okay. Like your gut. Your gut. Yeah. There's things that your gut picks up on yeah. that it will pick up on way before yeah. your brain yeah. will pick it up. Mm-hmm. And so... It's not like an actual brain in mm-hmm. your stomach, but mm-hmm. we feel things physically yeah. a lot of times, yeah. uh, especially for a lot of people with, with trauma. Mm-hmm. They have learned, it's been a survival mechanism yeah. to learn how to trust their gut yeah. um, because all of the information yeah. around them is so random and chaotic. Yeah. They can't base their decision-making on yeah. that. Yeah. And... Uh, it's also a slower way to process information. Mm-hmm. Your gut immediately knows. Yeah. And so um, when you said that, I was like, no, that, that's actually true, like our minds. <laughs> and so like, I think part of what it means to kind of tend to our mental health uh, during this season is paying attention to our minds and our body. Hmm. Um, I know that's that's been... And, and not... Not to say that they're, they're, they're definitely connected, right? Mm-hmm. Like our soul, our mind, our yeah. body, or, you know. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times, like when you were talking about this this place of just being erratic and kind of mm-hmm. just like up and down and stuff like that. Like yeah. there's a song in the 90s that came out, My Mind's Playing Tricks on Me by the Ghetto <laughs> Boys, which is my favorite song. Yeah. And sometimes it really does. Mm-hmm. When you're depressed, uh, I can speak to depression. Mm-hmm. Um, depression plays the worst tricks on your mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, depression decontextualizes everything. Mm-hmm. And it makes little things seem big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and undefeatable. Anxiety also does it as mm-hmm. well. And it, uh, depression, for me, has always accentuated, uh, has always emphasized my failures mm. and never it only tells the bad things right yeah. it only it only speaks of your your negative you know the the things that are negative it never looks at the whole picture in yeah. context yeah um <clears throat> and so when we can't rely on our our minds yeah um a lot of times the way to help us is to the way to to uh begin like healing mm-hmm. is tending to your body mm, yeah. breathing yeah. Um, getting rest yeah i mean when you're stressed a lot of times you're not realizing it but you're not eating as much yeah you're not you're not drinking as much water mm-hmm. you're not getting enough rest yeah you're not getting enough exercise yeah. you know i mean we physically couldn't get any exercise like mm-hmm. outside because mm-hmm. we were being suffocated Smoked by smoke. Out. Oh my god. 
scholarship. And so, like, yeah. all of these things, like, are, like, impacting our body, yeah. which are causing our minds to go haywire. Mm-hmm. And so, um, really, like, I mean, even before, like, I, as a therapist, I get into an office and mm-hmm. I, I try my best to not pathologize mm-hmm. my clients, mm-hmm. meaning that I don't want to, I'm not quick to give them, like, the worst diagnosis. Sure, yeah. Like, I'm often checking first, yeah. what what's happening with you physically? How much rest are you getting? Yeah. How much are you, are you, are you getting proper nutrition? Yeah. Are you drinking enough water? Yeah. Um, because we can go way down the road and give someone all type yeah. of mental, but maybe if they got some better sleep. Yeah. Or they got more nutrition, yeah. Or they weren't in a place where they were in physical danger all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. Then maybe they could thrive a little mm-hmm. bit better. Yeah. And so, um, I think maybe to to start by asking, like, how am I taking care of my body? Yeah. And like, when your body is tired, yeah. Like listening, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm talking about. That incarnational, mm-hmm. not just being an incarnational with other people. Yeah being incarnational with yourself mm-hmm. when your body is speaking yeah. listening to it yeah um there's a guy who i listened to um on another podcast he uh i can't remember his name right now mm-hmm. but he says pain is prophetic mm-hmm. and like when we look at all the examples of the prophets mm-hmm. in the bible the prophets came with this message yeah. that people didn't want to hear mm, but yeah. they would do better if they listened to the prophets yeah. as opposed to ignoring the prophet yeah and so sometimes pain comes as a prophet yeah. and is letting us know something's wrong yeah and unfortunately in our society especially in America mm-hmm. we don't value sabbath we don't value rest yeah. and we just push past that yeah we push beyond it and we like shove it down and we suffer yeah right because like we're not listening to the prophet that is speaking to us yeah and sometimes that prophet is high blood pressure sometimes Mm -hmm. that prophet is you know diabetes sometimes that prophet is physical pain um that is like stress induced Mm -hmm. and so uh, yeah that's like taking care of our bodies yeah um listening to our bodies and as far as like our mind um i i i like a foundational part of my practice as a therapist Mm -hmm. is is mindfulness Mm -hmm. um and when i first heard the word mindfulness i thought meditation yeah um i thought something really demonic and Uh something that you know as a child Hmm. The spirit of mindfulness probably would have been cast out of me at some <laughs> oh, point. It was not something that you wanted. Yeah. Uh, but to do something, to do mindfulness is just doing an activity with intention. Yeah. With and yeah. and 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 not in non judgmentalness. Mm. So a big thing I do is uh, when I find myself overwhelmed. Yeah. I, I slow down. I have a the Calm app, which I yeah. highly recommend. 
Isn't uh, Harry Styles now narrator or something? Isn't that? Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch. There's a bunch of different okay, celebrities I, that like I, tell stories, like for bedtime and yeah, stuff like that. I keep seeing sleeping. like an app on my phone, like or on like my Instagram ads, and it's like nighttime. It's such a bad ad, but it's like nighttime just got dreamier. It's mm-hmm. like Harry Styles face, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay. Yeah, they have this nighttime thing where celebrities yeah, yeah. come on. Um, I typically don't use that. Maybe I don't sure. want to hear people's voices. I like they have like parts where like you could listen to rain mm. and stuff like that. That's yeah. more soothing to me. Yeah. But like, so I'll do a mindfulness exercise by using the Calm app where for maybe three minutes, yeah. I'll just pay attention to my breath. Mm-hmm. Or I'll just pay attention to the thoughts that are coming in and out yeah. of my mind. Yeah. And I'm not trying to change my thoughts, not trying to judge my thoughts. Yeah. But I'm just like taking in everything that's coming Mm -hmm. and um there's been a lot of evidence that has showed that like incorporating a mindfulness Mm -hmm. daily mindfulness activity like increases our immune systems that's awesome uh lowers uh potential like like with uh, mental health disorders and stuff like that yeah uh mindfulness is is a huge thing Mm. um i guess what i'm all coming around to is Mm -hmm. Being present with yourself, yeah. paying attention to what is happening, yeah. and even then, when we don't understand, like we could, uh, that's okay. Yeah. Like a lot of times, as a therapist, I don't understand everything mm-hmm. that's happening, mm-hmm. but there's something to be said to just be present and yeah. witness what's yeah. happening with somebody. Yeah. And in that, as relational beings in which yeah. we're hardwired, it yeah. heals us. Yeah, yeah. I, that's what I was thinking. When you said mindfulness, I was thinking about, like, just being present in the moment. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because that's something you hear, like, with, like, how do you live a good life or whatever? Mm -hmm. It's always, like, oh, be present in the moment. And I always kind of laughed because, yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It sounds like such a cliche answer, which there's a reason why it's, like, cliche Mm because, like, there's a lot of, like, truth to it. And so I, like, lately I've just been, like, not necessarily with like my feelings or anything, mm-hmm. but just like I'm just gonna think about this moment to not think about other stuff. I'm just mm-hmm. gonna think about what I'm doing like right now, you know? Yeah, I think because like there's unfortunately there's been such an emphasis placed on production mm-hmm. and productivity and mm-hmm. what you're doing, and mindfulness seems. To be honest, like a waste of time. It does. It doesn't seem productive. It, yeah. It doesn't seem like you're accomplishing anything. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll go back to the gospel. And what yeah. Jesus said was, you know, the greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And when I had always heard that scripture, and the second is like it, to love the Lord your God with all yeah. your heart, soul, and strength. Yeah. But whenever I first heard that scripture... The emphasis was always on love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. But it says love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. You cannot love your neighbor. You will only love your neighbor to the extent that you are loving yourself. Mm-hmm. If you're not loving yourself well, you're not going to be able to love your neighbor well. Yeah. And, um, and so that changed my mind of like focusing on myself and being mindful mm-hmm. to where it's unproductive. Yeah. And I realize it's a crucial aspect to my job. Yeah. If I'm not loving myself, yeah. if I'm not being present with my own issues, yeah. how am I going to be there for my client? Yeah. How am I going to be there for my friends and yeah. my wife and my family? Yeah. Um, and so 
yeah, we, we can only love others. Yeah. And so it's, it's in, in God rested. Yeah. You know? I know. I know. <laughs> God rested. He did. Om, omnipresent, omnipotent yeah. God Perfect. rested. Yeah. Jesus at a certain point when there was a storm. Yeah. Took a nap. Sleeping. Yeah. In the boat. And yeah. people were freaking out. Yeah. And Jesus took a nap. I know. And the crowds were clamming for him, and he took off and yeah. went off to his. And so, um, like we have all these examples of rest. Oh yeah. In and 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 um, the purpose of it, mm-hmm. and I feel like, I think we just have to maybe have that shift. I've had to have that shift yeah. where I placed more of a value yeah. on really what the Bible says as opposed yeah. to what my job says or America says yeah yeah and I I mean I think that's such a great point and that was one of the like in a previous episode when we were talking about well it was me it was not somebody else (laughs) (laughs) when I was talking about um just like rest and boundaries and stuff like that like I also think sometimes it's just your personality but I think it's like the culture as well Mm -hmm. at large but just like the need to just be productive like there's times where I will be like okay I'm gonna rest today and I find myself being like anxious what what can I do like I'm gonna clean my room I'm gonna clean my car I'm gonna I never clean my car but like you know I'm gonna do like all these things and I have such a hard time just like and like figuring out like how to rest well instead of just zone out if that makes sense. Because mm. sometimes I think that, like for me, sometimes I, I'm like, I'm okay to zone out. Like mm. I want to watch TV yeah. or like watch something that doesn't, you know, require a lot from me. Mm-hmm. But then there's other times where like rest, resting well, it could feel a little bit more like, not work because it's not, yeah. but it's just like, it's not the same as zoning out. Like yeah. I'm still like. Like, if it's, like, going on a walk and having a good conversation with my mm-hmm. friend, like, that's resting well to me. Yeah. And that could require, a, like, more just, like, mental capacity than staring at a screen or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. 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 Like, numbing versus, like, yeah. you know, like, resting. Yes. And there's a difference. Yeah. 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 I mean, sometimes resting can be numbing. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes... But numb, being numb isn't always rest. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, and, yeah. Because, like, th- like, a movie, I think, could be numbing, but it could also be very restful. Sure. It could be like, oh, this is what, this is, like, life-giving to me mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, but then also it could be like, oh, I'm doing this to escape because I want to numb my feelings. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's very interesting. Yeah, I, I will. I will say. Yesterday we had a, a work day mm-hmm. with the students, um, and I worked a lot mm-hmm. physically outside mm-hmm. in the heat, sweated a lot. Yeah, it was restful. See, I know it's like it was restful. Yeah. It was. It was what I needed. It was. Mm-hmm. It, I needed to get out of the house. Yeah. We had just been like held hostage by smoke yeah. For, yeah. over the last week. I needed to get out of the house. I needed to be with people. Yeah. So, um, 
I don't, I guess before we wrap up, any other thoughts, last thoughts, last couple of things? Um, just totally that, um, like, you know, loving, loving yourself. Mm, yeah. Jesus said it is the whole gospel, the whole Bible could be summed up into these two these two statements love your neighbor as yourself Mm -hmm. it's assuming you're loving yourself love god yeah um and i i i don't know how much like more important it can be than that Mm -hmm. loving ourselves as jesus said there's nothing more important Mm -hmm. yeah um in addition to, I mean, when we love on ourselves, we'll love our neighbors well. We're, yeah. And we're going to love God. But, yeah. Um, um, but love yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yes. I really appreciate it a lot. I am so happy you had me. Yeah. This is very exciting yeah. and fun. I've, I'm so happy that you're able to join and that we finally were able to do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I'm Maybe one day you will start your own podcast. Oh, and I'll have you on. <laughs> yeah. That would be fun. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you and have a good day, you guys. Have a good rest of your Monday.